Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. College football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook... America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet one or more dollar on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now by heading to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and checking out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable and located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And for those in non-betting states, DraftKings is home to daily fantasy sports with weekly cash prizes and numerous ways to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or, in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 69. Yeah, 69. Shout out to uh, Phil. I know he listens, and he was you know, very eager and adamant that we get up to Episode 69 and wanted to make sure that we were going to get there before the new season starts. So we are here, Episode 69, so I'll dedicate this one to you. Uh, uh, Andy, I got to ask you. For episode 69 how are you doing i'm doing nice <laughs> yeah i'm doing good um i am so thankful that this humidity broke i know i feel like every episode i'm just complaining about the heat but that's who i am now that's the life i live i go walk outside and if it's uh humid and and like uh sweaty cheese i'm just like nope and i go back inside but it's the humidity finally broke uh it's been a fun weekend not much as been all quiet on the rangers front uh but that's it's always quietest before the storm so obviously there is a feeling that something big might go down before the season starts but it is approaching so yeah but other than that no i'm doing i'm doing good uh it'll be i'm starting to get a little antsy for next season again where 
you know, I usually up until for the first month, I'm like, okay, whatever. It's I, I could use a break from hockey, especially with this podcast. It's a lot of, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of hockey all the time, but it, it's you know, you'll start getting the itch, especially once the with last month with the expansion draft and the draft and free agency. Once that all dies down, all of a sudden you'll be kind of like start thinking about training camp and uh who you know and if anyone might surprise you and make the roster so i'm starting i'm not there yet but i'm starting to get there and i'm starting to get a little antsy for next season rangers hockey um and yeah just uh watching games with people with their butts in the seat so uh yeah starting to get there yeah there's a couple you know key dates just to sort out before you know the season starts uh i don't know when uh training camp officially starts like i don't know what specific day there is uh, but that's going to be in about four weeks, uh, maybe five weeks from now. And then the Rangers have a preseason game at the end of the month, I think on the 26th against the Islanders. And then the season starts uh, uh, October 13th against the Washington Capitals. And then, uh, you know, obviously that's a big game with the Tom Wilson drama. And, you know, there's a couple things that I want to get into, Andy. Uh, but first I want to talk about the Washington Capitals and the Tom Wilson drama uh, and the comments that Brendan Smith Smith made now that he's a Carolina Hurricane and he's no longer on the New York Rangers. Uh, he, you know, basically said that uh, there's going to be, you know, more details to come eventually on this topic and that there was seems to be more to it. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what he said. And, and I know we touched on this topic a lot for about a month or two ago. Uh, you know, kind of just hammering home, uh, you know, what we knew about it and, uh, you know, all the rumors and stuff like that. So I want to hear your thoughts now that he came out and said that. Yeah, you know, I you did get the sense that it's clearly it's been a very memeable offseason for the Rangers with, oh, trying to get grittier and tougher. But at the same time, it does seem like we you weren't always getting the full picture of why everything why the rangers went so hard on on tom wilson deterrence and getting harder to play against and yes obviously anyone with eyes who's a rangers fan saw that the rangers kind of lacked a a swagger and a pushback um in their game last for the last couple of seasons but yeah at the same time it's interesting i mean we do know there's been speculation that behind the scenes that clearly uh, Jim Dolan was upset, but that's obviously not been confirmed. So that could be part of it. Maybe Brendan Smith knows about that. And now he's able to talk about it because he's not in the organization. Uh, I I saw Rick Carpinello was stirring the pot. He's definitely been in the crosshairs of Rangers fa- uh, fans this uh, off season. So I think he was, I think he was just, throwing stuff out there just to be funny and like I said to stir the the pot. It seems like all every Rangers beat writer save for a few have really enjoyed stirring up the fan base. Uh, you know, Larry loves doing that. Obviously Rick seems to enjoy doing that too, even Steven Valaket. So, yeah, so I don't we'll know talk but about him. Yeah. We're going to get <laughs> yeah, there. there listen, worry. there does there seems to be some pieces of this story we're not getting and I think it's just you know, maybe maybe there was like yelling between locker rooms. I mean, but that's that's that happens. It's not like very unheard of. Uh, you know, I think obviously I don't think they tried storming the locker room. 
you know, or anything like that, like he was alluding to. But at the same time, yeah, there's definitely you're definitely not getting the full story because it does seem like this is everything that's gone on in this offseason seems like a it just it seems kind of outsized. But I do think overall that things were going on that really just alluded to the fact that, um, yeah, the Rangers just from where they were in their development curve, they weren't they didn't have that met, that that killer mentality that clearly management in the front office wants them to have. I mean, even at the at the draft, we heard Jeff Gordon kind of take a little mini pot shot across the bow where he's like, oh, I don't know when they selected Othman. He's, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the Rangers are trying to get harder harder to play against. Uh, so, yeah, I just I definitely thought it was interesting. And. It, you know, I hope we get the the dirt because obviously I live for that type of stuff, but we'll see. He said one day, so I don't think he's going to be the one to say it. But at the same time, it's uh, yeah, I don't know if it's really too far out of line with what I thought was going on. It's just it'll be interesting if there's like this one juicy tidbit or detail that has been no one has, uh, you know, uh, revealed yet that makes total sense and kind of shows, oh man, no wonder they they are literally loading up, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So my thoughts on it is that there's one aspect of this story that I think people still, when they talk about it, are slightly puzzled. And that's the firing of JD. You know, if, if there was drama, you know, in the locker rooms after the game, I feel like that would have been out almost immediately. Like someone would have tweeted, you know, I just saw Kreider go into the, tried to go into the, you know, Washington Capitals locker room. Like there's argument in the hallways outside the locker room. Like, that would have been reported almost immediately. I don't even think that's even that juicy. Like, I mean, it, it would have been juicy, you know, after the game. And then Ranger fans would have been like, well, why, why isn't there that intensity on the ice? Like, why aren't you going after these guys on the ice? Why are you waiting until after the game uh, to go into the locker room? So even if that's even true, I, which I doubt, it, I doubt it is, I think that would have, you know, been revealed uh, almost immediately after it happened. There's just too many people with cell phones. There's too many people with Twitter accounts. It just, it would have leaked. Um, the one thing that hasn't been talked about in detail was, you know, why exactly JD uh, was released. And we kind of know why, you know, Gorton was, and, you know, they wanted to make room for Chris Jury. You know, that kind of adds up, but there were, makes no sense to fire JD. And, and he was kind of like the victim in all of this. And, you know, I think there was more to that firing than, you know, we, we were led to believe. And I really do think the story that I told um, with, you know, how this kind of all went down is probably a little bit more accurate than I think. And, and the person who was able to reveal that story to us is probably closer to true than any other theory that, you know, I've heard or any gossip that I've heard on this uh, topic. And, you know, I guess, you know, to reiterate what happened, um, basically, uh, you know, Paros uh, it disagreed with the NHL giving a big suspension to Wilson. So Paros jumped out ahead and just gave out a fine uh, without NHL permission. The NHL was going to then fire Paros, but then the Rangers came out with a, con- uh, a, uh, a comment bashing the NHL, uh, the players' uh, safety. And basically, you know, Bettman being adamant about not being, you know, outdone by ownership and wanted to, you know, you know, seem like he's in control of the situation, couldn't fire Paros and just find uh, uh, Dolan. So, I mean, that's pretty much the rundown. And then obviously Gorton and JD disagreed with the statement and didn't want to ruffle feathers with with the, uh, you know, uh, the NHL. 
and then boom, they got fired. So that's pretty much how I think it went down. Uh, but I guess, you know, we're going to wait for the details. Yeah, um, I mean, that, excuse me, I'm just no. almost choking on my water. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely seems now that the dust has cleared a little bit, especially with, because there was reports that um, both Gorton and JD were trying to distance themselves from the comment. Like they didn't know it was going to, or the response from the letter from Jim Dolan that they didn't know it was going to happen. They didn't agree with it. And yeah, I think it maybe did come down to then Dolan being continually angered, you know, just being fed up with the rebuilding and not liking the pushback against the Islanders. And and that's a thing. I think even Elliot Friedman's talking about this, that this, even though everyone's like Herder, Tom Wilson, Rangers afraid of Tom Wilson, I think this is more about those games versus the Islanders than it is about the Capitals, if I'm being honest, you know, just because those games, the Islanders just applied pressure to the Rangers and forechecked them with less skill and just were with structure and just grinded them down and the Rangers had no response. And if they're going to be the, the class of the division right now, the Metro, the Islanders are, you know, one win away from going to the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not going to fly. So. I think, like I said, I think it was more about the Islanders, but definitely from what we've heard, that sounds more, the the accounts that you just recounted sounds a lot more plausible, honestly, because it doesn't make, because it has to be pretty outside than just like, all right, I'm done. I'm tired of rebuilding. Let's, you know, and I don't like the fact that this, there wasn't like a tough guy in place. So I'm going to fire um, Jeff Gordon. That seemed a little outsized, but with with that context we provided, I don't know. It seemed that 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 seems like a more plausible scenario to me. So, again, I hope Brendan Smith is right, and one day <laughs> it is a fascinating story, and all this comes out. But yeah, who knows when that'll be? But so I'm not going to hold my breath at least for the time being. But again, that definitely sounds more plausible to me than than just being upset that the Rangers didn't have a a guy to you know go back there and try to protect everyone. Yeah, and you know, I think it even goes before the Islanders. And I hate the Washington fans that are taking full credit for the New York Rangers offseason. It's like, no, Tom Wilson was icing on the cake. You know, this went back way before, uh, you know, that game. And it went back, you know, really it got the narrative for the Rangers to get tougher was even before Carolina, right? It was kind of just the narrative like, we need to get tougher, we need to get tougher. And you know, we always spoke about getting, you know, bigger centers in playing a little bit heavier game in the playoffs because, the, you know, they put the whistles away and it's more of a grinding game and you need, you know, the bigger bodies, stronger bodies and play, need to play more physical in the playoffs. We've always said that. And then the Rangers went into the play in series with the Carolina Hurricanes and they got swept, swept and exposed. Very, very. It was a, a very bad series. I mean, talk about like the Rangers just did not belong on the same ice as the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, from there, the Rangers got exposed and it gave legs to this narrative that the Rangers need to get tougher. And then the, what the Islanders were able to do to the New York Rangers in a must win game, a game where the Rangers needed two points to stay right in the you know playoff contention this season. And they show up and they just, they get beat up two games in a row. And it was just, you know, you were just shaking your head at like, is this team even trying? Like, where's our counterpunch? Like, listen, I'm not saying that we need to go out and, you know, beat the Islanders 10, nothing, but you got to make it a game. You got to act like you want to be there. And it just, you, we didn't see it from the New York Rangers. And and you and me were on this podcast frustrated as hell, you know, wondering what is happening to our Rangers team. 
And then obviously the icing on the cake and, you know, the scumbag, you know, Tom Wilson body slamming Panarin and just and, and, and strangling and putting the stick on the Buchnevich's throat. And it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Why don't we have any, you know, this isn't like a Tom Wilson, what Tom Wilson did to the Rangers. This is what, you know, the Rangers have been doing to themselves for the last few seasons. And, and, and in big moments where the spotlight is on them, they just kind of fold. And, you know, I think this offseason was really about that, that collective group of games, specifically being the Carolina playoffs, the, that back-to-back against the Islanders where the Rangers were right there in contention for a playoff spot, and they just folded. And then, obviously, at the end of the season with Tom Wilson. So, to me, it, those three things were like the legs of this narrative for the Rangers uh, to get tougher. Yeah, you know, and I think you what you alluded to, that's kind of the biggest thing is that, and I think that's what Jim Dolan was honestly probably the most mad about is that I think it was because people think it's a lack of toughness, and I think it's more about mental toughness than it was about having, obviously, yes, by having a Ryan Reeves or Barkley Goudreau or a Jared Tenorti or you know, or just, yeah, or a Sammy Blay, like these type of more in-your-face, direct, heavy forecheck, you know, not not always uh, willing to, to throw a big hit type players. It's one, it, yes, it does make you tougher on the ice, but it's more about the mentality that if, if, if teams start getting after us, well, well, fuck that. We, we're going to get on them even heavier and harder. And we've seen a young Rangers team that when that they, the, the fight gets taken to them, they just kind of mentally fold and they don't think they can come back in games and they, just kind of lose the plot and it just starts to snowball. And it's, that's been the last four seasons. I mean, especially since the rebuild and, you know, say what you will about, you know, maybe Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl being cooked. Uh, but, and even, you know, that squad when those th- two and McDonough were still here, but just the forward core, it just kind of wasn't good enough anymore. And Lundqvist was starting to not be the player he once was. They still had that a bit of that where it's like, yeah, they'd be bad losses, but at the same time, they would also still have. They're not. They're those three on their own, even though they're warriors in their own right. They're not exactly the scrappiest bunch, but at the same time, they have pride and they've been in the league a while. And yeah, they that type of stuff didn't happen on their watch. You know what I mean? So, but ever since they left, it's just, and it's just been. Kreider kind of at the helm now and Zibanejad to a lesser extent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just we've seen that there has been kind of none of that. And that's clearly something that they the, the organization felt they had to get from, out, you know, bring from the outside and to bring it in because it definitely wasn't coming from within. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, because you have to look, that stuff usually gets taught. You know what I mean? It's like a young guy goes to a locker room where David Backus is or you know, even if a guy's cooked or a Ryan gets laugh or whatever, you know, just even people that are or Jumbo Joe Thornton or Pavelski or whatever. But you see they lead the way and then it kind of it comes from the top. But I think the Rangers didn't have those type of players. It's already firmly established. It's Kreider's style, even though he's big and physical, it's still kind of not his deal. It's not really the type of player he is or clearly not Zabanajad either. So, yeah, I mean, they just... I think it's just they it was a glaring hole for a while and I think it was just it was very apparent. So, you know, like you said, it's it's 
like Capitals fans love to revel because, you know, they listen. They love to feed off of everyone hating Tom Wilson because Tom Wilson's on their team and it is what it is. But, yeah, like I said, I th- I still maintain I think this is more about like games like the Carolina series, like you said, and and the versus the, their games versus the Islanders this season where they looked, you know, utterly hapless at times. And, yeah, I think that's definitely a, the biggest part of it. Yeah, and, you know, and it's important also, too, as Ranger fans to realize, you know, the ex- expectations for this team was to be competitive, right? I, I don't think anyone was penciling the Rangers in definitely for the playoffs. Uh, you know, we thought they had the ability to make the playoffs. I think they had the roster to make the playoffs. But, you know, I don't think uh, we accounted for a lot of the X factors, right? The, you know, the locker room issues, the the lack of coaching uh, with NHL experience, um, you know, it just, you know, there were a lot of factors that kind of played into it, but all in all, the Rangers were still competitive and, you know, that's what probably was the more frustrating thing is that that we saw the ability to uh, be great and then, you know, the next day come out and look like a team that, you know, should be, you know, you know, be in the lottery mix for the first overall pick. But, you know, um, you know, Andy, I want to kind of transition here because, you know, I really want to talk about something that's been bothering me and it's, it's, it's Twitter. And you alluded to this point before where you got like Carpinello, you got uh Valiquette with his stupid spidey senses posting and stuff like that. I, I really, I can't, I can't take it. Like I, I really can't take the, the, they're using the Jack Eichel thing and they're using the fact that they're slightly on the inside to get clicks and people are falling for it and it just it creates a shitstorm and then I get notifications of what's trending and I see a stupid Balaket tweet saying that he's got spidey senses oh my spidey senses don't work up in Vermont as you know he's drinking a beer it's like dude shut up like I I like him when he's analyzing the game. You know, I think that he uses statistics that make sense. He explains them in a way that makes sense. And I think he does a great job in between periods. But him on Twitter is like unbearable for me, Andy. I I can't I can't deal with it because I know what he's doing. He's just doing it to get clicks and likes and to ramp up his, you know, exposure on Twitter. And, you know, he's free to do it. He could do whatever he wants. It's harmless. But why does it annoy me so much? Why is it so annoying? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I my unplugged my mic. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because again, like you said, obviously you're free to do it, and you can easily see him just or Carpinello for that matter, or anyone just kind of sitting with their laptop on their chest on their summer cottage or summer home on their couch and just like chuckling to themselves as they know they're about to start like a mini shitstorm with a tweet. And yeah, I just, are they free to do it? Yes. But I, I really don't get the point. I mean, you know, I, is it to, and it's hard to also, it's hard for me to really determine what his end game would be with that. Is it to genuinely get more attention or clicks? Is it just to, just to be funny and watch Rangers fans stir themselves up into a little tizzy? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it's like again, I I really don't know how I feel about it. To be honest, I don't think I was that upset. I was just like at first, I was like, oh okay, maybe he's like he knows something we don't know. But then you see pushback from other people, and the other thing that's tough 
is that, and I think Elliot Friedman's alluded to this, is that sometimes you hear things and they're legit, like this is about to go down or this is talking or they're talking about this, but you have to be really, you always have to be really sure. So there could have been a chance that like, because obviously there's been all this talk where it's like, hmm, funnily enough, uh, Chris Drury has been telling agents he has had no real interest in Eichel, which is bullshit. Of course, he's got interest in Jack Eichel. Yeah. Everyone does. So there's that tit for tat going on. Obviously, it's in the Rangers' best interest to downplay their own interest. And obviously, it's in the interest of people that cover the Rangers to try to, I don't know, drum up that interest just for the sake of their coverage and attention on them. Uh but yeah, it's like you said, it's annoying, especially if it's it's, you, it's impossible to know if it's substantiated. If you're going to tweet something like that, like that you, it kind of puts egg on your face if you if nothing comes of it. And you can laugh it off. And maybe Valakat wasn't being serious. Maybe he was just taking the piss out of Rangers Twitter to, or just hockey Twitter in general just to see what happened. But yeah, Look, I don't my know. Problem, I do. My problem with it, Andy, is that he kind of like works with the team. Like he provides like analytics for the New York Rangers. He, you know, uh, is a, you know, uh, a commenter, an analyst, you know, in between periods for MSG, like he's there, he's in the mix. And if he's just going to be playing head games, I feel like that's a bad look. Like you don't, don't be that guy. Like it's one thing, you know, like you're going to get a Larry Brooks feel like where half the people hate you. Some people like him, you know, because of how like ridiculous he could be and some of the articles that he puts out, but like. You know, I just feel like, you know, if I'm a player on the New York Rangers and like I'm seeing that I'm rolling my eyes like this, like this is kind of stupid. I don't know. It just annoys me. I, I don't know why it annoys me so much, but I really needed to get on this podcast and vent about how how much Valakette's been really pissing me off. No, and I get it. And there does seem to be a trend where even with it's like official team Twitter accounts where it's like interaction, interacting with fans on a on a one to one level is kind of like in vogue where it's like, I don't know, it, I, I, for lack of a better, a better example, just like either teams subtweeting each other or even if some, if a fan randomly says something stupid or disparaging about the team, like a team quote, the team official Twitter account, like quote tweeting them and being like this you and showing an actual picture from their, you know, their timeline or whatever <laughs> yeah, type of shit. Yeah. So and yeah, or even, you know, for Rangers fans getting Bill Pito to say like no cap, no kizzy on on television on the on the MSG three sixty, but but to your point, yeah, listen, you work for you're an analyst for the team, even though you're you're employed mostly by the the network that has that carries the team, but at the same time that you it's the same company that owned is you know founded by the man who owns the team the owner of the network also owns the team so uh yeah <laughs> so like you said there is conflict of interest there and it makes you people do think you have the inside track and it, it, yeah it kind of makes it just makes you look worse at the end of the day so i don't know what he was trying to get out of it if he just was in one and was loaded and was, thought it was funny and he's just like whatever i'm not gonna and he heard something and he's like, you know, maybe he had a couple of beers. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be an insider now where I want to I want to have the inside track on this. And even though it was just a conversation, he didn't have much to go off of. Uh, but or it was a bet with a buddy. I don't know. Again, I have no idea what his uh, motivations and intentions were. But yeah, it just makes him look worse. And especially right now, it's clearly a hot button issue. So anyone with a blue check mark who says 
I'm hearing Eichel to this team is imminent because, and there's been a lot of it. Um, yeah, clearly it's going to draw a lot of attention and a lot of people can get ready. And yeah, I mean, there is responsibility with that stuff there. You are, te- I, he is technically a journalist as long as he, he's a T he might be a TV journalist technically, or, or a, a TV pundit, but you know, you, there is a, yeah, I mean, there is a, a sense of professionalism that needs to come with that. So. And again, it's just like, low, it's uh, low uh, hanging know. fruit. I expected more. That's yeah, all, no, that's th- all. Th- yeah, like, and I that's a, that's my kind of my feelings exactly. It's like does it at the end of the day does it really bother me? Pro- not really, but at the same time, it's like it's annoying, especially if it's if it keeps happening and then other people keep doing it. So, and especially if it if it's just yet another uh, example of normalize. It's like a symptom of bigger a bigger trend of like normalizing, just saying whatever you want without without facts or actual confirmation or whatever you know because that's literally the world we live in now it's so hard to get actual information because people put you know opinion forward as fact whether genuine or disgenuine and then it it just gets out into the ether and it gets taken as as uh truth so yeah it's a symptom of a bigger problem in our society at large so yeah it's just low-hanging fruit and yeah just steve save it for when you have some actual some actual juicy tidbits you know Uh, yeah and you know if the rangers end up getting eichel then i guess you know, he can just be like, "Oh, I told you so." Uh, but okay, that's. I'm glad we t- spoke about that. Another thing that bothers me, and I touched about this the last podcast that I was on, is that these mediocre teams, where I don't see they have a shot at the Stanley Cup, and then people being like, "Well, they're contenders," and and I don't get it. And the latest team that's on that list is now the Florida Panthers because they signed Joe Thornton, and you know. Uh, this is not really relevant to the New York Rangers other than we've spoke about and how the Rangers, you know, you know, Joe Thornton wouldn't be the worst signing if you can bring him in for a one year deal to kind of just be that presence in the locker room where everyone's going to, you know, when he speaks, everyone's going to shut up and listen. So, uh, you know, again, Andy, the Florida Panthers, they had a pretty good playoff series, but does anyone really think now that Joe Thornton's on the, on the Florida Panthers that they are Stanley cup contenders? I mean, I think they were Cup Stanley Cup contenders before Thornton got there. I don't think he's what's putting them over the top. I just like the fact that they're younger. Uh, they're neighbors to the east. Uh, no, excuse me. They're, they're neighbors to the west. I'm getting my Florida geography swapped around. They're uh, neighbors to the west. Uh, got a little bit worse and lost some players due to salary cap implications and a little bit older. And yeah, they have some good... Like I said, they, you know, they have, they got Sam Reinhart. Uh, they have still have, they resigned Sam Bennett. Uh, they have Duclair. You know, they, they still have Barkov and Huberdu. So they, they make their top six and, and uh, the makings of their top six look very good right now. You know, they're going to have Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky. We'll see who, um, who is their starter going forward. But, you know, Carter Verhage was, kind of really was excellent for them last season. So yeah, they have good, they have good depth on for forwards. Uh, you know, they have some young guys like Owen Tippett and Vetrano and Patrick Hornquist is still there. So I don't know if he might be cooked, but yeah, they, they, they have a low key when you look at their team, they're better than you think, you know, they lose Keith Yandel offensively, but he's, you know, uh, defensively hasn't been all that great for them. So maybe, at the expense of some power play production, they might get, you know, and especially they didn't have Ekblad for that series. So they'll have Ekblad. So I like, again, I think they have a shot at being a contender for the Stanley cup, but 
I don't think Jumbo Joe Thornton's what puts putting them over the top. However, we did just talk about that sometimes just the presence of players, even though there might be they're on ice, it, that they're what they bring to the overall team swagger or confidence kind of it make it's it's a bigger improvement than just getting their on ice play, which in and of itself might not be all that great. But just having their presence on the bench makes, you know, a guy who's been in the league forever, who's a, a, a bona fide Hockey Hall of Famer already like, yeah, it, it just I do think it kind of gives you a little bump. I think it gave the Maple Leafs a little bump, you know, but again, we'll see. Um, I don't think he's puts him over the top. I think it's good that he's able to go to a place where, hey, there is I, you know, there's a chance for a Cinderella story there. Who knows? But um, yeah, no, I don't think he's putting them over the top. But at the same time, I don't I, I don't necessarily think he doesn't add anything to that team. And I think they they have as good a shot as any of the other teams. I wouldn't say they're a front runner or like the the top contender. Obviously, Colorado is kind of really chomping at the bit. Uh, but we'll see. And listen, Tampa, even though they lost some parts, they're still a very good team and they still have a say, you know, so. And hell, even the Islanders were basically one day, one gate went away from going to the cup final. And I'm pretty confident they would have, at, you know, beat the brakes off of the Canadians who, who uh, the Canadians who, by the way, probably won't make the playoffs this coming season. So, uh, yeah. So I, again, he doesn't, even though he's, it's not like he makes them a cup contender. He does help that, that, a roster maybe walk a little bit taller and say like, Hey, listen, we, you know, last season was last season or the time is now, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, you, you have all valid points, Andy. It's just, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just so sick and tired of all these teams thinking they're better than they are. I just don't see a world in which the Florida Panthers are going to be lifting the Stanley cup. I just don't see it. It's, it's, it, you know, it hasn't happened. And uh, I just feel like the same old teams are always in existence. I'm still waiting for Crosby to retire and Malkin so the Penguins can be bad. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, it's time for the New York Rangers. No one's, you know what it is? I just, I get annoyed when people are like, they worship these teams, these like middle of the pack teams, and there's no mention of the New York Rangers. You know, it's just, you know, I want to be that team where you're like, you know, the Rangers got the, they got the roster. They got, you know, they got the talent, you know, can they put it all together? Uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's a little bit of jealousy on my part. It's a little bit of, uh, um, you know, I kind of have historical data on my side of which, you know, these teams just, you know, every time they seem to be good, they kind of fall apart. I don't know if it's an organizational thing, but you know, it's just one of those things that these are the things that are annoying me. And you can tell that I am ready for the season to start because I'm tired of these meaningless kind of talking lines or what, what are they called? not talking line talking points and you know i'm just you know i'm ready for you know new york rangers hockey so um one of the last things you know that i kind of wanted to talk about is with the new york rangers and obviously there's there's a lot of rumors and 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 just talk about you know the rangers might not be done and that the rangers do have tradable assets and they have room to you know bring a big player in if they move some of those assets and you know, you know, if you're if you're Chris Drury, Andy, right? Would you be patient this year? Like, like I, you know, Jack Eichel is like. I mean, what I want if to he's be patient, healthy, right? Yes. Just say he's normal and healthy. But are you looking for the knockout punch this uh, this off season? Like, do you really need to bring in the Jack Eichel? Like, like well, the, I think the biggest problem the Rangers have 
one being maybe some behind the scenes uh, impatientness is that they there were some players they hoped they had more clarification on what their projectability and limits are and I still don't think they don't have that you know Kravtsov they saw can obviously be a useful NHL player they still don't know what his ceiling is uh you don't have to know what Kako and Lafreniere are going to end up quite yet but he'll they were hoping they would know by now and that's still we we said this at the beginning of last season and it's still a bit of an unknown he showed promise but again the counting stats aren't following him and that's important unfortunately so you know and again he's a guy that as strong as he is and as he drives strong play when he's on the ice, but he still is not very good at getting his teammates involved. And he's just, it's, it's the, it, the full, like he's got pieces of the puzzle and they're excellent, but he just doesn't have the full picture yet. So, and the team doesn't have the full picture. So, and obviously they, there's a lot of gridlock there because it's like, can you move Ryan Strom if, if Philip Heedle is not ready? Uh, can you, you know, if, can you move Ryan Strom before you land Jack Eichel? You know, it's that type of stuff. And I think even Bruce Garriach, who's a, uh, a prominent Ottawa Senators beat writer and insider, he basically said that the only way, because Ryan Strom has been linked to the Senators, but he's basically said, I think on a morning radio in Canada, that the only way the Senators will get Ryan Strom is if the Rangers land Eichel, because that's, you know, they're only moving Strom if they get, uh, Jack Eichel, which is was interesting, uh, but he's you know he's got he's got his connections as sources, and maybe he was just told that it's like look we can't we would like to move there. Ottawa's interested in in him, and maybe Drury's just like look you know we would I can't give this guy up unless I know I have someone else helping me helping my team down the middle. So we're kind of in a holding pattern here. So but maybe we can do business if you know if we do land another center. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of difficult to know, but at the same time, yeah, it's just, unfortunately, I do think that as far, as far as like you said, going for the, the, you know, the knockout punch or the, you know, put you, put yourself over the top. I'm a little worried because it's like, I believe the Rangers will probably trade their first round pick for next year at this upcoming draft, depending on who someone they think, depending on where they're at, if they think there's someone who can put them over the top. When in reality, it's like you have all these kids that are getting better. Maybe, maybe you, you hedge just a little bit and hold on to it. Because again, I think the belief is that you have the here and now with Panarin and uh, Zabana Jad and God forbid they bring in Jack Eichel and Kreider. But that being said, you know, uh, Kako and Hedl and Lafreniere and Fox and Lindegren, these guys are still young. And the more first round picks that you you hit on, or even second round picks you hit on over the next couple of drafts, all of a sudden those will be their supporting cast of characters. And you need those guys. You need homegrown guys. So you can feasibly have two um yeah, you can have two windows, but you just gotta be careful because if you if you destroy your next window just to go for it in this one, uh yeah, it might not work out in your favor. So I don't I'm I don't want the Rangers going off the deep end to to do, you know, at the shooting themselves in the foot in the expense of just make hump, you know, hop, hobbling into the playoffs this year. But at the same time though, I mean, I don't know how you can look at what they've done and and 
not get a sense that there's some impatience and that they're ready for the, that there's the, there's an internal desire for them to be back in the playoffs yesterday, you know? Yeah, no. And, and rightfully so. And I think they have a roster right now that's good enough to make the playoffs. Oh, and, too, yeah. and like our division, like let's face it, our division, it's tough. It's not, it's not an easy division, but you know, finally now, uh, you know, with the wild cards kind of opening up, I feel like, you know, Columbus has taken a big step in the opposite direction. They were always a team that somehow just found a way to get, you know, into that wild card or or third spot. And, you know, I I don't know. I'm very confident with the direction that the Rangers are going. I just feel like with the Rangers and how they're built right now, that they'd be foolish to take on a player that, number one, you don't know what his future is going to be like this season. So why go for if you're going to if Eichel is going to be a wash for this year, why wouldn't you just wait? And say, all right, let me take my chances on trying to sign Barkov. You know, let me, you know, I'm, this is why I'm, again, I attacked the Florida Panthers. I'm going to attack them all season because I kind of want Barkov. Um, you know, let them have their failures, panic a little bit, maybe even trade for Barkov at the end of the year, knowing that, you know, he's going to be a free agent and, uh, and, you know, the Panthers are going to, you know, see what they can do to bring him back. You know, I just feel like there's other options out there. And and for the Rangers to sit here and, and you alluded a couple times via text that, you know, Pedersen has kind of bashed uh, the Canucks. And I just feel like there's there's options out there and no one's even paying attention to them. No one's even talking about them. All we hear is Eichel, Eichel, Eichel. It's like he's become the Marsha of the NHL. And, you know, I'm looking at Jan and I'm like, you know, just as good. It may be better. I, I don't know, Andy. Am I crazy? <laughs> No, and listen, I think, again, there, it's not, the Eichel situation is what it is, and maybe the tune is different if there isn't the, the neck issues and the surgery and him missing a significant amount of time and the amount of assets Buffalo's asking for him. But, yeah, it's a lot, and it definitely changes the equation for what you can pay without hampering yourself because who's, who's to say Eichel doesn't go somewhere else? And then for a season or two, get traded there and just doesn't go the way he wants. And then they decide to trade him to another team like Taylor Hall, once a Hart Trophy winner and a young promising, but trade him for, I don't know, a relatively much smaller return because his uh, reputation has taken a bit of a hit. So who knows? I mean, it's just one of those things like timing is very important and it influences things a lot. There's, you know, there's some good players that have gotten substantial returns and there's some mediocre players that have gotten some huge returns but the time because the timing was not on the side of the team trading for him so no i mean to your point james yes i think there are other options out there and i i don't doubt that chris drury is keeping tab has other ideas especially because i know he's not it would be foolish just to bet on landing jack eichel because it's not a sure thing and the injuries scare everyone and the price scare people too. what you would give up to get a bad, you know, damaged goods. So yeah, I do think that clearly, I think they were in on Dino. We know he, they were, but it just, the, you know, the, the, the Kings were willing to go to a place that the Rangers were not. And I respect them for saying like, look, look, you know, Philip Dino would be great for this team, but at that much term for that many years, no, I, we just can't do it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a doubt that they've kicked the tires on like a Christian Dvorak or they maybe have asked about the availability of a Dylan Larkin. Uh, you know, I think they've probably checked on younger 
centers who haven't put it together yet, you know, around the league. I'm sure they've talked to LA about prospect swaps maybe for one of their center prospects. So I think there are things, conversation being had that we're not privy to that the Rangers understand that there are other options out there. But obviously with Eichel being literally being the hockey NHL fan base as a whole being primed for Jack Eichel is upset and he will be moved. He's going to be moved. A player like this does not come along. It's not made available any day, every day, you know, so that type of stuff. It's just, yeah, it's the loudest voices in the room just waiting for the shoe to drop, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, you know, you just don't, I guess those talking points are not in the spotlight and it's just like, I feel like they should be, and there should be more talked about the other options that are out there, you know, around the NHL. And like, you know, there's a lot of teams that are right, you know, kind of where the Rangers are in terms of just outside the playoffs, trying to be relevant again. And, you know, I, as you saw this offseason, people are trying to create salary cap, right? They're trying to create cap space. They're trying to get younger. They are trying to get a little bit bigger and tougher. And they are trying to copy clearly what's working for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, I, I feel like there are players that have been on these teams where it just hasn't worked out, right? Maybe that player just has run its course. And he, and he touched on a few of them, you know, Dvorak with the Coyotes. And we all know what the Coyotes have been facing, you know, uh, losing draft capital, uh, you know, drafting guys that, you know, will never play in the NHL. And, and then you look at, you know, the Detroit Red Wings who, you know, uh, you know, just were acquiring draft capital and trying to rebuild that way. But then you have guys like Dylan Larkin who, you know, how many more good years are you really going to get out of Dylan Larkin? Like, is he going to be the guy that's going to be there in, in, in four years when, you know, Detroit hopefully is relevant again? You know, there's so many questions that these teams have and there's other players out there. And, you know, listen, as for as good as Eichel is, there are so many more question marks around him than some of these other players. And I just feel like those other players don't get talked about. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why. It's just very confusing. But uh, Andy, I got one more hot take for you, and it's something that I've seen. It's a trend that I've been seeing within the Rangers organization, just you know some of their social media posts, and now they had this charity ping pong event that you know they had that some of the players went to. Um, I'm telling you right now, Andy, Chris Kreider is going to be the captain of the New York Rangers. It's gonna it's gonna happen this year. I mean, mark, if, mark my words. Yeah. Yeah, it feels that way. I mean, there was, I know over the last few days, there's been a slight uh, Fox for Captain push from the Twitter, Rangers Twitter fan base and social media fan base. But again, I just think Kreider, with that, if he's got that contract and he's the most senior guy in the room, and maybe it's a, a part of it is to say, like, hey, look, you're, you might be playing on the third line, but we're going to make you the captain. So you maximize the time, you know, that type of thing. So who right. knows? You know, kicking the ass too. You know. Yeah. Who you knows? Know. And who knows? Maybe. And look, I mean, listen. We're clearly very tough on uh, everyone. Is tough on Chris Kreider because clearly he's blessed with physical gifts that don't. You know that it, it's always you see times where he can be a game breaker, but he's not always a game breaker. But at the same time, Chris Kreider is still one of the best net front players in the NHL, especially in the power play. You know, the guy is pretty consistent in terms of he's. You know, he's consistently a around a 50 point player and you know he's usually a 25 to 30 you know 30 goal scorer 
and yeah, and he's usually like a 25 assist guy. So, you know, he's, he has been consistent. It's just, it's a, such a shame because there are times where we've seen him at the flip switch and he takes over games. It's just so few and far between, but who knows, maybe limited, maybe shortening his minutes to make him give him less time to get in his own head about things and putting the C on his chest. You know, I've always, I've been very adamant about for years that you shouldn't do with Kreider just because it seems like mentally he, he second guesses himself a lot. And that has also been intimated by both himself and like former coaches. And, you know, they've said like Chris gets in his own head a lot and like, you know, it's just with him, it's been always been a getting him to just play and not worry so much, you know, cause I, I do think he cares. I just think sometimes it's like he lets it, the mental side, and it looks like he's doing a lot, but accomplishing nothing, which is weird. He looks like he's just for a guy that fast. You can tell those games where he just kind of looks like he's not involved in the play. When it's like the play is right in front of you, Chris, just get on your horse and go after it. You know what I mean? So even if you're like playing, you know, forcing things happening with your speed, if even if you don't get the, the, the assist or the points, just just knowing that there's pride in the fact. And that's where I think uh, a Gerard Gallant helps, because I think his he's a, a, a coach where his system is really it. Kreider can be a very good player in a system like that. Just heavy for checking you know, forcing turnovers for pickups in the neutral zone. That's kind of what his, you know, not too much wasted. You know, there's a directness to his his uh, system, or at least the systems he's employed in the past, that it seems really effective. And I think Chris Kreider is a guy that can really be instrumental in that, even if it doesn't ultimately lead to him getting, you know, first or second assist. But it's like he's causing the turnovers with his speed, or his speed causes the other team to panic and maybe get rid of a puck or not deliver as clean of a pass as they would like to that gets picked off or gets corralled by, you know, the Rangers. And then now they have possession, that, that type of thing. So, but yeah, to your point, it, yeah, I think they're going to name Chris the captain there. Was, I know there was like a Truba kind of feeling that it might be Truba, but I, I think Kreider is, is more likely a shoo-in to be the, the next captain of the Rangers. And then I guess a few years down the line, either one of Lafreniere or Fox will get it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know even how I feel about it, I, but I just feel like it's getting pushed out there. But there is a part of me where it's just like, all right, uh, if we have a captain, we we know, it, you know, we know it's Chris Kreider. There's no more talk about it. It's not a narrative anymore. Um, you know, the Rangers, you know, they constantly just had a rotation of assistant captains. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's tiresome not having a captain. And I feel like he is 30 years old. He's got that he is the most tenured player on the Rangers. You know, they they seem to be pushing him in all the social media posts talking about, you know, what kind of team this team will be. Yep, you know, cuz we're going to be tougher to play against and blah blah blah. I just feel like they're setting it up. He's going to end up being the captain. Um, you know, with Mika with no term right now, it's tough to even talk about him being the captain. He would have to sign a contract before you even begin that discussion uh truba i just feel like if he if he lived up to expectations i think he would have been a good uh, probably a good candidate for it and he probably would have ended up being the captain but i think just his you know inability to show up game after game it's just it's too tough to make him the captain um you know and you know Kreider for as much as we call him casper the friendly ghost and him showing up you know 20 for 30 percent of the time 
you know, he does play an important role on the power play. He does get a bunch of garbage goals. So you see his name on a stat sheet. You know, he's big, he's physical. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe him playing less minutes, him not having to be the physical guy because you got more physical with some of the players coming in. Uh, him not having to be the goal scorer because you have players like the Benajad and, and Panarin and hopefully, you know, guys like, you know, Lafreniere and, and Kako, you know, take on that more offensive role this upcoming season. And he is kind of that guy that, you know, just a steady presence. You know, you don't really see him get hurt a lot. And, uh, you know, he is 6'3". He's an overwhelming figure. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I've come to kind of a, accept the, the inevitable that he will be the captain after seeing um, the Rangers and uh, them pushing him out there. Yeah, and again, I think, because obviously it would be a little awkward to name a Lafreniere or a Adam Fox that captain would be while Chris Kreider, like, even though if, I think it's what fans eventually want. Uh, yeah, listen, they're still, like I said, Chris Kreider is the last player left from the Rangers' last run to the Stanley Cup. He's their longest tenured player. He was drafted by the team. Um, Meek has been there for a number of years, and there's always been the rumors or at least a desire for him to be captain potentially. So if Chris got it, it, it can't really hurt his feelings too much because he's like, you know what, Chris is what my best friend on the team. He's been, or one of my best friends left on the team now that Bucinevich is gone. And he's a guy who like helped me get comfortable here. And he's even longer tenured than me. And I respect him. Not that he doesn't respect like a Lafreniere or a Fox, but you know, at the same time, it would kind of feel a little, I think there'd be a part of him that might yeah, felt, yeah, feel no, a little I... uh, slighted, you know? So, you know, I just I just think it makes too much sense, right? Yeah, and it's just I feel it's with the other players it's a little bit forced. I know Fox won the Norris and um but he you know, I, I although he does have a similar personality to Kreider where maybe a little bit drier in terms of humor. Um he's not like, you know, extremely vocal, he's not really animated. You know, uh you know, Kreider gets animated after a goal, but you know, it's not like um you know, after a game he you know, he's you know, kind of says all the right things. He you know, kind of carries himself professionally. You know, it it is what it is. It, it's almost like I feel like the Rangers are setting it up because they realize they need a captain. And really, just Chris Kreider, although I don't think he should be captain, it's probably the easiest and safest choice for the New York Rangers to make. Because, like you said, it doesn't really hurt any feelings, especially, you know, maybe Mika or, I don't, although I don't think, Panarin really cares whether or not he's captain. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, it's an easy choice, and the Rangers are going to make it this year. I, I really think that's something that the Rangers want to have, and they wanted that narrative to kind of, you know, end. So, um, but Andy, do you have anything else? Do you have any, uh, any, you know, any any other topics that you want to cover? No, I just want to say uh, I have. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but, you know, I like what I've seen early on from uh, Zach Wilson for the Jets uh, after <laughs> just one uh, summer scrimmage against the Giants, but kid looked okay, looked, uh, yeah, very little hesitation, what I like, not, force, not forcing looks, which is good, a good sign, no, nothing too egregious, he didn't play a lot, he only played like three drives or something like that, but. Look good. Um, Knicks continue to look good in summer league. 
OB Toppin looks like he's improved. Emmanuel quickly looks much better. Uh, Deuce McBride might be, uh, oh man, my my new favorite Nick coming up with the defense he plays. And yeah, it's good to see after maybe a, a slower start. Uh, Grimes looks pretty good. So it looks like they may have, uh, they may have got a winner in him. So we'll see. Hopefully the Knicks are, they don't do like the Rangers. They don't like blow it all on like all their good pieces on like, uh, Damian Lillard, if he wants to get traded to the Knicks. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I have, I have, uh, how should I say? I, I'm trep with trepidation. I have, I have a lot of positivity going for the, into the next season for both the Knicks and Jets, which I know is clearly a a dangerous proposition. So, but yeah, I think all, all three of my teams, be it the Rangers, the, the Knicks and the Jets, just if they, just don't get too ahead of themselves. And they've all been guilty of doing the same thing in the past. Just don't get too hasty and, and you know, forego building something steady and uh, sustainable for just the, the hit of, you know, t- you know, the shiny new toy or the just, uh, yeah, just putting the cart before the horse. And I think they can have some sustainable success, which I think would be good. If all of those teams could be good at the same time, I think uh, make my life much better and easier. So. Uh, that's all I ask. So, yeah, that's all it is for me. Anything else from you? Well, there's a uh, you know one one of my teams, Andy, the New York Mets. Uh, maybe this has been maybe the core reason of why I've been so angry and hostile on the podcast today. Uh, you know, they just seem to be collapsing, and you know, I, they're facing uh, the you know the L.A. Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants uh, over the next like 14 games. Uh, they've already lost the first two against the Dodgers. They'll probably lose the third one tonight and just like completely, totally be out of uh, any running for the playoffs. And, you know, I- I'm just sick of the same old narrative happening with my teams, with just around the league. The Dodgers are good. You know, the Yankees are going to end up coming back and making the wild card game and making a run. It's just, you know, I'm sick and tired of being on the losing end. end. So I- I'm hoping... This season, I know it's, you know, episode 69, but, you know, it, it just, and we're not done with this season yet, but I'm just ready to get to that new season because I kind of like the trend that we're going into. I just don't want to mess it up. That's, that's all I have. Just don't screw it up, Rangers, please. You know, I don't have the Mets. The Knicks, I feel like they're cursed. I adopted them as my basketball team in honor of you, Andy. And, you know, the Jets, although that looks... They're trending in the right direction. They're going to stink again next year. So I really, all I have is the New York Rangers, and I'm just begging that they don't do anything to drive me any more crazy because I really just, I can't handle it. Yeah, good luck with that. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.